the Murder Mystery Podcast. The story unfolds each week. Will you guess the killer? On the Murder Mystery Podcast, it's The Venetian Affair. Episode 23. The Ispatori from the Guardia di Finanzia stands in the dining room of the Palazzo Mandola, holding a notebook and scribbling down notes as Paddy continues a diatribe that has lasted, so far, for ten minutes. Signore, he says, trying to stop Paddy's onslaught, but to no effect. Eventually, Paddy slows, and the Ispitori takes the opportunity to explain the procedures, highlighting at the same time that they have dealt with hundreds of stolen artworks in Venice, and they have an excellent recovery rate. Slowly, the officer manages to bring Paddy around, from just being angry, to having a partial understanding of what the police will do next. Maria brings coffees, and they sit at the dining table, while the policeman takes a statement from Paddy, about the lead-up to the delivery, who else knew about the purchase, and what security there is in the palazzo. At some stage in the morning, Olivia decides to go into the room, and see if Paddy needs her to do anything. He seems to have moved on from his previous dismissive conversation with her about Roger and Ted, as his mind is now full of this new crisis. But he can't think of anything he needs from her, as the police seem to have a comprehensive plan for trace and recovery. There are a few bits of paperwork that Olivia needs to complete, if she is to finish Paddy's contract. She works on her laptop in her room at the palazzo, then realises she's hungry and goes to the dining room for lunch, but Maria tells her that she has moved it all to the courtyard because of the police still being around. Jess is the only one outside, but has a slightly sudden look on her face when she looks up and sees it's Olivia who is walking out into the sunlight. The lawyer chooses various pieces of seafood from the table and puts her plate down next to Jess. "'How are you doing?' she says as she sits. "'I can't get over how fucking damned my family is, to be honest. First a bloody affair years ago, now a million-pound painting stolen from under our bloody noses. What next? That's what I'd like to know. No one cares about the affair,' says Olivia. "'You know how in your mid-twenties you think everyone's watching you?' Jess grunts between mouthfuls. Then you find out in your mid-thirties that no one was ever watching. They laugh mildly. True, I guess, says Jess. Mum and Dad don't seem to be worried about it at all. He's totally cut up about the picture, though. Who do you think stole it? says Olivia. Aren't there professional art thieves? Steal stuff to order? You think this was a random robbery? Someone in the moving company, probably. Took a backhand for information says Jess. They patently knew exactly when and where to look. It could have been specifically targeted to hurt your father. Could it? says Jess. Why, there? Revenge? For what? Dad's the sweetest man. Olivia releases an incendiary. For the same reason that Nick was left on the doorstep. Revenge for something that someone in the family is involved in, maybe. What do you mean? says Jess. 
your father may not go about damaging people, but maybe someone in or around the family does. Who? Jess screws up her eyes. You tell me, says Olivia. Why would I know? Maybe you know them, she says. What about Phil? Harmless playboy, says his sister. Do you know how he suddenly got money for his wine business last week? Invested, says Jess. He pitched a case, and they bought it. Olivia knows this is the moment to move into the minefield, from the safety of the trench she's been in. What about Scott Goodman? Jessica's face drops, and she turns to her friend. What, you think Scott stole the painting? Or dumped the body? You're talking bollocks, Liv, says Jess. Scott's just a businessman. He's got motive, says Olivia. Revenge for his father's split of shares in British tin. He doesn't care about that. And do you know that because... We're friends, Olivia. Jess is getting frustrated. As you know, because you interrogated him at lunch. I don't give a fuck if you don't like him. But stop throwing around accusations about my friends, will you? What's the basis of your friendship with Scott, Jess? Look, we're doing some business, OK? You and Scott? Yeah. Can I ask what business? says Olivia. Just some art for his interiors company. Is this all entirely legal? says Olivia. Of course it is! Jess starts to stand. You've got something to hide? For God's sake, Liv, leave it, will you? Olivia grabs her forearm. Because if you do have something to hide, it's not too late to come clean. Fuck off, Liv, says Jess, and walks back into the palazzo. Nicole kneels on the floor of the office in Caligoldoni, surrounded by piles of paperwork that she has pulled from the filing cabinet beside her desk. She flicks through each stack of printouts, her eyes tuned into the words Roger Thorne or RT wherever they appear. When Ted had mentioned payments to Roger as he left the office, he had given her the key to tracing more about the theft that had been going on in front of her for months, and possibly years. She's not sure how she feels, but she knows she doesn't want to get mixed up in it. But she didn't interview Roger or Ted. Paddy had. She couldn't have been expected to know, the voice in her head tells her comfortingly. The pile with everything that mentions Roger is growing. She doesn't really want to explore the details as it will keep her at a safe distance from any crime. The less she knows, the less the police will suspect her. Even though Paddy had told Olivia that he had no interest in pursuing any criminal activity, Nicole can't risk it. She's annoyed with herself too. She was just starting to feel as though Venice could be her home. Maybe settle down here. Now, that's impossible even if Paddy does nothing. What if the next finance guy is corrupt too? What if Paddy is intentionally hiring bent accountants to siphon money from the business into his personal accounts? What if the reason that Paddy doesn't want to report anything 
is that Paddy is the one who is behind it all. She thinks about what happened with her ex-boyfriend in London, and she knows she must do it again. Run, before it's too late. She picks up her phone and stabs in a message to Isabel. I'm going to London in a couple of days. Will you come with me? The reply comes back in less than two minutes. What? How long for? Let's have a drink. Nicole replies, then returns to the paperwork sifting. The glints of sunlight bounce off the water and across Nancy's face. She pulls her sunglasses down to her eyes, from their usual resting place on her head, then taps her fingers on the ceramic, tiled table in front of her. She dislikes waiting, especially when she specifically told him to be here at eleven. The café is mostly empty, which is why she chose this particular place that is tucked away from the main tourist routes in the back streets of the Castello district of Venice. She takes a mouthful of coffee and a bite of the sandwiches that the waiter bought her without asking. They know her here. It's been the location of many of her discussions with her contacts in the art world, when she doesn't want to be seen by any passing acquaintances. Because of the Biennale, Venice is a recognised part of the art tour, like Wimbledon for tennis or Henley for rowing. Nancy values her status in the art world more than anything. She likes being influential. She thinks about her children. Nancy had wanted them to be part of the art world, but none of them had shown any interest. How are you, Nance? The man's voice is familiar to her and he's the only person in the world who calls her that. Hello, David. He sits and orders from the waitress. You're looking... He takes his time. A sign of his wealth. Elegant, he says. The outside corners of her blue eyes smile slightly. You're looking harassed, she says. Nick, you know. Yes, I was so sorry. After Madeline, I thought I'd suffered enough. How's Scott? Haven't seen him much, says David. Keeps himself to himself. Were he and Nick close? Very. They were doing business together right up to the end. A waiter brings his coffee. I wanted to ask you, he says. I need some contacts in the art world. What sort of contacts? Buyers. You've got some art to sell? She says. Yes, I need to get rid of it. But quietly, says David. What sort of art? What do you mean? What, sculpture, paintings, video installation? A painting. Maybe we can come to a deal, she says. Because I wanted to talk about this litigation. He pauses. Then says... You're not going to stop it, Nance. It's not true, David, she says, and you know it. Nick was a good boy. I never knew what Scott was doing or thinking. But Nick? He wasn't involved with anything that would get him killed. What do you think would have been Paddy's motive? She says coolly. To damage me, of course. David's voice gets louder. 
He doesn't want to damage you. Isn't it you who've bought all these cases? Only because of his fraud twenty years ago. You had nearly left the company. Her own voice rises for the first time. Something she dislikes doing. I couldn't face it any longer. Not after all the things that had happened. You ran away, she says. That's all that happened. I had to protect myself. From what? She spits the words in another rare display of emotion. From you, mostly. Don't be bloody ridiculous. You're the dangerous one, Nance. He looks her dead in the eyes. You've run that marriage exactly the way you want. He's weak. You know that. And you and I would have been good together, would we? She says. That's what you wanted, wasn't it? Us to get together? You're a weak man too, David. At least Paddy realises his lack of ability. At least he's honest about what he can and cannot do. You never did have any idea about your own lack of skills. He laughs. Nancy's eyes burn as she lets her temper descend. Her hands are shaking, she notices. But he doesn't. Drop the case, David. Her voice is almost a whisper now. You won't win, and it will just dig up more pain. Move on, man. Live your life. I'm doing just that, Nance, he says. I thought you understood that twenty-five years ago. Maybe I was wrong. They hold each other's gaze for a second. Then he turns his eyes away.